Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinsing. This is episode 566. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. And thank you to the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. In February of 2018, I wrote an article for a magazine called Super Floral about a Berkeley, California-based grocery store called Berkeley Bowl. The family-owned company opened in a former bowling alley in 1977, blocks away from the famed UC Berkeley campus, and it has become a neighborhood institution in this college town. My story was about Berkeley Bowl's floral department and its relationship with local flower farmers. Today's guest, Joanna Letts, owner of Bluma Flower Farm, was part of that story, and I interviewed her about being one of Berkeley Bull's consistent sources of local organic flowers. At the time, Bluma was based in Sanol, about 30 miles inland from the East Bay region. But soon after we published the story, Bluma moved back into the city to its current location, a Berkeley rooftop where Joanna and her team produce hyper-local certified organic flowers. Here's a bit more about Joanna Letts. Joanna grew up in Oakland and Berkeley and attended Berkeley High School. She then ventured across the country to Bard College, where she majored in history and human rights. During a study abroad program that spanned five countries in eight months, Joanna looked at the impact of globalization on small farmers. Realizing the importance of small, organic, and diversified farms, she was inspired to someday create a farm of her own. She started farming in 2008, working with and learning from many longtime organic farmers in California. Falling in love with the life and the work, Joanna apprenticed on numerous farms, including Heaven and Earth Farm and Green Gulch Farm and Zen Center. She received a certificate in ecological horticulture at the UC Santa Cruz Farm and Garden Program, that's C-A-S-F-S for those of you who know the acronym, and she went on to be the garden manager at Slide Ranch, where... She grew over a hundred varieties of vegetables and flowers. But from the beginning, Joanna pursued her dream of one day starting her own farm. And in the fall of 2014, that dream was realized with the creation of Bluma Flower Farm. I'm so happy today to introduce you to Joanna and share her story. She recorded the interview from her farm 
six stories high on the rooftop against a brilliant summer sky. I can't wait for you to join us. So let's jump right in and meet Joanna Letts. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to uh, introduce my guest today, Joanna Letts. And Joanna is the founder and owner of Luma Farm in San Francisco, East Bay, I guess. Uh, Welcome, Joanna. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, this is really fun. I love that you're um, spontaneous because... um, you're you're as busy as everyone else and you said yes when I invited you. Yeah. Uh, so tell us where you are right now. We'll do the little farm tour first and then we'll we'll talk about uh your story. Cool. So I'm here on this rooftop farm where I farm almost a quarter acre um and we're in the heart of Berkeley where I grew up and where I live. I get to walk and bike to work, which is awesome. Um, yeah, so excited to to uh, show show you around. Yeah, do that, and we'll we'll let, we'll follow your you around with your phone. And um, do, I mean, first of all, what is this building? Is it is it a commercial building? It is a residential building, and it was built in the fall of 2016, and the developers decided that they wanted to build the farm as part of the building. Um, And Benjamin Farrer is the farmer and designer that built the farm, and I took over the space from him, let's see, now in 2019. Um, So it was already established farm he was doing vegetables now I'm doing mostly cut flowers and herbs um so yeah and I have a lease directly with the owners so the the engineering was all thought through in terms of weight load of wet soil and Mm -hmm. irrigation and I mean that's pretty state-of-the-art when you think about it yeah exactly okay well um that begs the question, what are you growing in? What's your medium? Are, are you have raised beds or can you show us a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah. So this is one of our smaller roofs and you'll, let's see, you'll see that um, we have multiple roofs and they're all connected by uh, uh, this pathway. And we, so this is our smaller one um, and I'm growing snapdragons here and then also some lisianthus. And this was my first year on the roof growing in fabric, which, so it's been really great. And we have some shade cloth on here as well that's mostly for the crows and the lisianthus because it's so shallow rooted. The crows can pull it out, you know, through its whole life cycle, basically. And then the snapdragons, we got them in late, so I figured they'd probably like the extra shade. Mm-hmm. I think of it as a little bit of a cool weather crop but um right here i i did a little bit of experimenting since we plant the lizzie so close and i couldn't finish a whole bed so we just planted the snapdragons like extremely close together you know same planting as lizzie's so we'll see how that goes um but yeah on the roof i'm definitely kind of pushing the envelope as far as like plant spacing so we can really pack a lot in here occasionally it doesn't work out (laughs) But well, so it's so interesting that you said you have about a quarter acre because a lot of beginning flower farmers, that's that's their real estate as well. Mm -hmm. It's just that yours is how many stories up in the air? 
Six stories. Wow. Yeah. And so those Lizzie's and the snaps, are they in um, like a like a, a channel or a, a tray system or how deep is the so, space? I, don't, I guess it's a little hard to show maybe from up above and we actually have two levels of the farm. So I'll be able to show a little easier, but it's, it's, I mean, it's essentially container gardening, but um, development here, we turned one of our roofs into a deck to host events and classes. Um, so I'm really excited to have this space. We will be putting some hedgerows in. So it'll sort of ho- hopefully have the feel of really being part of the farm. Um, and as you might be able to see behind me, it is a beautiful view up here. Um, oh my gosh, that's phenomenal. So, Yeah. What else are you growing then, Joanna? Um, uh, you must be more diversified than just the, the t- crops you showed us. Yeah. So right now we are harvesting uh, marigolds, didiscus or lace flower, cosmos, scabiosa, um, ami, phlox, digitalis, uh, chocolate cosmos. Um, our dahlias are just starting to come on. Um, we planted them a little late this year, but it's kind of nice because July tends to be the slow month for sales. And in the past, it's kind of when we've had the most. And I just, it's hard not to have flowers in July when you start planting in April. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it seems like it's working out a little better this year because we were late on some of our planting. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's actually kind of a good thing. I'm at, I'm going away backpacking tomorrow for two nights. So, um, which feels like, you know, it's a big deal. I don't have a farm partner. My crew is going to be taking over. Um, but they are all new this year. So it's still kind of training them on things, but it feels good to be able to be able to leave for at least a couple of days. Oh, that's great. I'm so glad to hear that. I know you were looking for some, you had posted some job openings earlier in the spring. So yeah. how, many, how many folks do you um, have during the, the growing season? Right now I have two part-time employees in the field and it's probably the equivalent of one full-time person, maybe a little bit more. I think it's mm-hmm. like six days a week with the two of them. And then I have a florist um, who is sort of takes on all our wedding stuff. And, um, then like today she was making our, uh, bouquet orders for the week as well. So right now that's it for the crew. Um, I was hoping to hire a little bit more. And then as the season got underway, it just became hard to find the time to do that. So we're, we're chugging along. Right. So um, you've mentioned the bouquets, you've mentioned weddings. Um, Maybe you can kind of break down all your channels of um, how people receive your flowers or flowers get into the hands of of your your specific consumer groups or, I mean, wholesale and retail, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, It's definitely changed over the years. So this is my eighth season in production with my business. And I'd say like right now, um, a big chunk of our um, revenue is from weddings. So I think we have about 15 like full service weddings this season. Um, Definitely up from last year. I mean, um, you know, 2020, there were obviously 
really no weddings. And last year we had a few. Um, and then we also sell uh, wholesale to florists. So we have like a separate wholesale shop for that. Um, and we sell to a few grocery stores um, right now, mostly Good Eggs, and that which is the online platform. And then um, we like last week we did Berkeley Bowl, which is the local couple and Monterey Market, which are two local groceries here in Berkeley. Um, yeah, and I'm then gl- we have yeah. Sorry, I'm glad you mentioned Berkeley Bowl. I couldn't remember the name of the grocery store that you um, were selling to when I. I was recalling that we did a story together for a super floral magazine. So right. if I can find the link to that, I'll put it in our show notes so people Great. can read more about that. Uh, but hyper local, I mean, people in Berkeley want Berkeley grown flowers, right? Right. I mean, they're just, it's so fun just to get to deliver literally down the street. So yeah. That's great. Uh, you were going to mention something else and I, I interrupted you another channel. Oh, yeah. Um, so then we have an online what I call a retail shop. So like we do, you know, people will order for birthdays or, um, whatever, you know, whatever it is, or send a gift to their friend or for themselves. And then in addition to that, we have, um, kind of like a CSA, like floral subscription model this year. I changed it a little bit just cause it's logistically really challenging. And a friend of mine, did it on Squarespace where it's a subscription. Mm-hmm. So it actually like the orders just come in, they can start and stop at any time. And the order just comes in, um, you know, whether we offer weekly bi-monthly or monthly, and then I'll just yeah. see the order come in we fill it and I'll remind them, Hey, it's your week for flowers. And they'll either pick up at, we have a couple local spots where people pick up and then we also deliver. So. Yeah, I thought I, I thought I would pop up your website right now and look at that shop and then um, people can get a sense of uh, what what the consumer would experience coming to um, coming to Bluma. So this is the shop button that I clicked on and and you have all these services and opportunities for people to engage with the flowers. So shall should you want to just let's see do we need to touch on any of the things at the top? These are all things that people can purchase from you, right? Right. Gifts, flower delivery and pickup, Tuesdays, Fridays, delivery days, um, email us Mm -hmm. for other days. So that's sort of, you're trying to train people to get on that Tuesday, Friday cycle. Right. And you have the flower club, then you have Dahlia tubers, which is probably, you've already sold those for the year. Yeah. (laughs) Plant starts, starter kits, uh, then consultations and workshops, which I want to talk to you about. And then you've got the everlasting dried products, gift cards, Bluma merch. And then private events. So you're you're really thinking about the ways that people need flowers. I love that. Right. Yeah. I kind of feel like, you know, we're we're doing it all. We're um, which is it's I don't know, it just makes it more exciting and fun and also can be challenging just to put all the pieces in place. Yeah. Um, wow. And so other than weddings, is this your most active channel of revenue? Um, I'd honestly say our wholesale might be a little bit more active at the moment. And I think that's most, my sense is it's partly cause I'm not like marketing our online retail shop and, um, and potentially because we are trying to keep deliveries to just two days a week. Um, 
So that's something that I'm hoping in the future to really um, figure out a way to do more of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So So do you describe yourself as a farmer florist? You said you employ a florist, but you're doing some of the design work yourself, right, Joanna? Yeah, I definitely, I am a farmer florist and I love designing. And whenever I get to do it, it just feels like, you know, like a little meditation and literally like harvesting up here on the roof in the band and then you know they're going out there you know somewhere in berkeley or maybe oakland so it's a privilege and part of what i love about growing right in the city is that it oh. just all feels very close um I, uh, and also just the fact that you cut in the morning arrange in the afternoon and it's out the door maybe that same day right is part of your brand that people have right. become come to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, special. I can't, I can't wait to visit. It sounds, this whole rooftop thing must really capture people's imagination and you probably could just, you know, answer questions all day long about how you do this. So mm-hmm. um, I'm curious about how you landed there because you did have a, 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 more of a terra firma farm prior to this, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was farming on, I went the, sort of when I was the largest, I got to acreage-wise, I was farming two acres of flowers, that was in 2018, Um, and I was on beautiful soil in Sinol, California, which is 30 miles southeast here, Um, so it was about an hour drive away, so it was definitely a commute and and the commute really felt like a grind so I would be getting up mm. at 4 a.m getting out there by five harvesting you know my crew would leave maybe around four and then sometimes I would have to maybe I'd take a break in the afternoon and then harvest in the evening load up come back home so it was really it was tough and first few years of my farm um just trying to make it all work and the growing and the selling and was put in some pretty long hours. So I knew, I really knew I wanted to move closer to Berkeley where I live and where I grew up and got connected to Benjamin Farrer through, um, I mean, we've known each other reconnected because we're both, or we were both clients of Kitchen Table Advisors. They're a nonprofit that helps farmers with their business. Um, And they knew I was going to move and he was looking for someone to take over production. Um, and so it just kind of worked out. And I was honestly really nervous about how the crops would do up here on the roof. Um, and I held on to my land in Sunol until this year. Um, mm. I grew a little bit out there for two years and really didn't grow much last year there. Um, but most part the crops have done really well and have actually done better up here Um, the climate here in Berkeley is also much milder and you know with um, global warming and climate change it's it's only getting hotter and I just felt like Sunol the average temperature in the summer is probably like around 95 so especially with the commute that I had um, and not having anywhere yeah it was just hard to be farming in such hot weather Mm. and um out at my farm there we really didn't have any anywhere to go in the middle of the day to escape the heat 
So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I could just feel the, um, the, as you said, the word grind, like the weariness of just maintaining that uh, for a whole season. You must have been so happy when, well, there's no frost in the Bay Area. So does the season ever end? Yeah, it it did. Um, I would basically till in my crops with the first big rains. But then again, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I was out there farming for four years. And at the end, I'd say, you know, well, it wasn't raining until sometimes December. I put in cover crop the last two years and it was in December that I did it. Wow. Um, wow. But it does frost out there more than it does in Berkeley. Um, but yeah, it, so I really, my my season in Sunol was April through November. And then here on the roof, we're not exactly year round, um, partly because I haven't figured out if we could put up hoop houses, how that would work. Cause they can't, you don't want them to blow off. Um, if anyone right. has ideas on that, but also I'm still sort of like, we have a lot of flowers in the summer and fall. And usually by the fall, kind of just ready to take the little break. So, well, it sounds like you have a dried flower program. So you've got that we carrying do. through. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, wow, that's so interesting. And it's not like you're, you, in a way, you are a one-woman show in that you're the sole proprietor. Right. But you still, then at all, the buck stops with you on every decision. So you need to, you know, take care of a little, yourself for a little downtime just to recover at the end of the season, probably. Right. Wow. So I I saw on your website that you did go to... Um, the uh, farm at UC Santa Cruz mm-hmm. uh, Center for Agroecology and Sustainable Food Systems. Is that you right? Got it. You got I it. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that. Uh, yeah. I learned that over the last couple of years uh, when we were planning the Silfire Summit, we were originally going to have it there oh, uh, in 2020. Cool. And then, and mm-hmm. then all, a lot of stuff happened with the university and then Filoli came along and offered us the, the venue. So I, you know, didn't really get to spend a lot of time there, but I visited a couple of times, but it's renowned and mm-hmm. it's amazing how many flower farmers went to that program. Um, yeah. you know, people who maybe went for food, but ended up leaving, falling in love with flowers. Is that what happened to you? So I had been farming three seasons when I, um, went to the Santa Cruz farm and I think I had already kind of you know, loved flowers, um, but definitely learned a lot more there. And I would say that the thread that maybe a little bit carried me through some of my early years of farming was Alan Chadwick. And, um, so I was at Amigo Bob Contesano's farm in near Nevada city, and then was at Green Gulch farm in Marin for two years. Um, a lot of what both of those farms was, you know, most vegetables, but flowers were a big part of that. And um, so they always went hand in hand for mm-hmm. me, both mm-hmm. flowers and vegetables. And then um, Santa Cruz, I think, was very similar, like definitely heavy on the flowers as well as vegetables. And then when it went to starting my farm, I was like, well, I need to kind of pick an, a niche and and it seemed like flowers would, there was more of a market for, for it here. And, you know, um, two of my friends from the Santa Cruz program, one who I went to high school with, Zoe Hitchner, um, 
and Lenny Larkin are now both oh. also flower farmers. So, oh, yeah. you guys were all there together. Yeah, we were all there together. Wow. Yeah. And is Zoe at um, Front Porch? She is. Okay, yeah. and then and then Lenny, of course, is a Slow Flowers member, and she's uh, B Side Farm. Yeah, and, uh, she actually promised me to do a video interview sometime this summer. So now oh, I'm going to hold her to it because you you got there first. Um, I've had yeah. her on the podcast, but um, it's this this video option option is so great because people want to see where your your space is, and um, right, you know, looking at the the climate behind you it looks very vivid and blue so uh, i'm just curious when you said it's more milder than you know inland 30 miles what you said southeast or is that you're kind of on the way to lake tahoe where you were farming or uh not exactly it's a it's it's towards the central valley but um it's like yeah you you go south down the bay and then you're gonna go east so it's sort of the edge of like how to how to describe it it's definitely it sounds like it's definitely inland though it's inland yeah you basically crest over this hill that i can see right here the berkeley hills and it's just (laughs) the temperature rises at least 10 degrees wow so we're probably 70 degrees here right now Mm -hmm. i mean sunol could be between 80 and 90 um so yeah i mean i have a shirt and a sweatshirt on and I'm like not all that hot. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is 70 degrees. It feels like, like we basically can be harvesting in this weather all day long, you know, whereas it gets too hot. You don't want to be harvesting your violas or whatever. Right. And you don't want all that. I mean, you like having the reflective heat, but you don't want to fry things either. Right. I mean, it sounds like that, that milder, cooler evenings, a little bit of cloud, cover from the bay that that's sort of a perfect environment it's it's so nice like just thinking back to those early years in Sunol I mean yeah we get this morning and I'd say the last two weeks we have fog until about 12 p.m oh wonderful and it's like there's no it feels like there's not a crazy sense of urgency of getting because we grow a lot mostly annual flowers a lot of them are sort of the wild flowery flowers that really need to get harvested when it's cool out. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's, I was going to ask you about that. So it's mostly annuals and then the dahlia crops. Those are sort of your two yeah, and we ha- varieties. We have the, so Benjamin planted, we have hedgerows on every roof. So it's like a perennial um, and they're mostly California natives. Um, and we harvest off of those. And I've also planted some other perennial crops. So we have raspberry for cutting. We do a lot of scented geranium, which we use in all our bouquets. And then there's a fair amount of culinary herbs, so perennials. Mm. And then I love growing them as uh, annual, like we're harvesting lemon basil today. Um, but yeah, I've been thinking about, you know, ways that I could get more perennials here because the annual flower program is like, it can it, it can be a real hustle sometimes, you know, if we have one week, a couple weeks ago, we probably had a hundred plus bunches of Cosmos and I wasn't totally sure where they were all going to go. You know, it's like I grow a lot of colors for our wedding floor. So it was a lot of white, but maybe that week there weren't any white weddings. So it's like we, you know, so, so what um, did you do? What was your, what was your uh, solution to that? I mean, I just 
some uh, somehow I just keep calling different people until somebody says, okay, we can take some. Or, you know, last week, I and this week, actually, I haven't sold a lot of our zinnias, but one, a florist who's um, been buying from us for a while, Loop Flowers, Anna, she sent another florist who I've sold to before our way, but who took all our pink cosmos last week. And this variety I haven't grown before called Xenia. It's, it's a gorgeous color. Um, and I was just so happy that she took them. Right. And it's right. just most of the time it seems like that kind of happens, like where somebody will come through, but occasionally I'll have to call, you know, a number of people or call the grocery stores and say, Hey, I'll give you a discount. Can you take this? Um, you're, you're like CEO of this company and you have to be the uh, head of marketing too. It's just that, thank goodness you have good relationships that, you know, yeah. people answer the phone when you call. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's special. And, um, I feel like I have a lot of supporters and I think because I've been doing it so long and have created a lot of really great relationships, it it's, makes it easier for me to mm. find homes for the flowers. Mm. But sometimes that. like, you know, I will, we have these restaurants and cafes we're working with. So sometimes I'll drop some flowers there on consignment. Um, and recently had an idea to try to do like a, some sort of urban farm stand. Um, but I'm not quite sh- like maybe have it at a restaurant or another mm. business. So I think, that's sort of in the works. Like a, like a, almost like a pop-up kind of. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. With just flowers or with other, other product, you know, other produce? Um, well, we only do, we just do the flowers and then the herbs. And for the herbs, sometimes we'll put together these cute little herb bouquets, um, which I think we probably started doing either my first or second year up here. Cause Ben had planted so many herbs and I was like, what are we going to do with all these? <laughs> Um, so we'll, we do those, um, but like the kebabery where we, sometimes people pick up from, from us, they also do like a fish CSA pickup there. Um, but so it'd be an interesting idea to think yeah. about partnering with another farm. Yeah. Yeah. But just an, let someone else organize it and you just bring the flowers because it sounds like right. Well, can you talk a little bit about your journey to flowers, Joanna? Like, when did you actually um, start Bluma Farm, and and how did it all come together for you? Yeah, I feel like it's sometimes hard to answer that question now because it's like it's been so many—not that many years, but eight years. Um, That's impressive. Yeah, I know. I'm like, uh, where did the time go? Uh, so let's see. I started farming almost 15 years ago. Um, one of my friends who I also went to high school with Lily Schneider, she had a 20 acre vegetable CSA farm and she encouraged me to go for it. So I started, um, with apprenticing and just kind of like fell in love with the work. And Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I, and I had a lot of privilege to be able to go, apprentice on a farm and do that for, I guess I did it for three years and then went to the Santa Cruz farm. Um, so, but yeah, just sort of immersing myself Mm -hmm. 
in learning about plants and farming and soil mm-hmm. and um, soil biology and chemistry. And I just kind of like, it just made, I think it just made a lot of sense to me to do because it's all these different things that you get to learn. Um, and I didn't, yeah, I think like a lot of farmers, I, I, you know, didn't really see myself, um, working in an office or, mm-hmm. you know, there wasn't, uh, something I didn't see, there wasn't something else calling me. Although mm-hmm. I, I will say when I started farming, I thought about some sort of career in dance therapy, which is sort of my other passion, which, um, I haven't, you know, since the pandemic, I haven't done a whole lot of, but I still really love it. Um, so in dance and, and being outside and moving my body and working with my hands, it just sort of all made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, what yeah. did you go to, what, what did you intend to study or at college? What did you intend your future was going to be? Um, I guess, so I studied history and human rights. Um, and I'm not sure really what I thought of career wise. Um, some of my professors were like, oh, well, maybe you could be like an investigative journalist because um, I dove really deep on my thesis, which actually was about um, related to agriculture in California. Mm. So and I got to study abroad for a year and partly we were stutter- studying the effects of globalization on small farmers. Mm. Kind of like I, I knew I wanted to after college get involved in agriculture in some way and I find myself now um that I have had now that I feel like I don't work as much as I did those first few years and I have um more insight into what it a farm I also have a passion to really get involved in more of the politics around agriculture and farming that maybe also is what brought me in some ways to it in the first day. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping to get involved in the farm bill and yeah, but we'll see. Right. There's sort of an activism component to the way you farm and thinking about, um, I'm sure working on food farms, looking at food justice and, uh, farm workers rights. It's just, it just seems to be very, you know, in, in balance with how you're running your own farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what about the name Bluma? So bluma is a, the Yiddish word for flower. It's also, you know, can be a person's name. Um, so I've had, you know, people get excited about the name. Oh, my daughter's name is bluma. Um, <laughs> do they call you bluma? <laughs> sometimes people do. And I'm like, well, yeah. it's not actually my name, but that's fine. You can call I'll me I'll answer to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I wanted to give the farm a Yiddish name in honor of my grandparents, um, who, you know, all, both sides of my family are Jewish immigrants from, and refugees from, um, Eastern Europe. And my mom's parents, um, spoke Yiddish Mm. and they didn't teach my mom, but she can kind of understand certain parts of it. So, um, so yeah, I wanted to do something to honor them. And that's lovely. Yeah. Claim that is, Mm -hmm. is it happens so often with people who, who two two or three generations after arriving in the U.S. they lose that language, but 
Mm-hmm. I have no one to blame but myself for only speaking one language. So, right. um, you know, I think it's great. I love that. It's a beautiful name and um, has enough of a resonance to the word bloom. And right. probably the word flower in many languages, there's like, I think in like Scandinavian countries, there's some kind of blom or something like that. So mm-hmm. I'm probably butchering that. Um, well, your uh, you hinted at redoing uh, the deck area of the roof for workshops. So have you been teaching workshops in the past or is this a new, a new chapter for you? Yeah, we have done workshops here in the past and I've gone to uh, offsite and taught. Um, but yeah, I really want to have a dedicated space at the farm to be able to host people. Um, we don't have a, the idea is to have a shade structure here. So um, we can host people more during the day, but yeah. And to be able to do workshops and community events and my other sort of like where I want to take the farm is just, and we'll see how this happens, but, um, to be more community oriented Mm -hmm. and, um, have like high school classes and college students and, um, that kind of thing too. And, and, whoever wants to use come up here and use the space and then also host private events so dinner parties and I don't know sure what else engagement parties yeah that yeah. sounds like that that you can do without the the shade structure right. so you can right. start there right um do the residents of the building come up and enjoy the farm or do they yeah. wander in yeah so this deck is also for them so there's actually facing me there is a unit um so they have full access to the farm um it is mostly students and so they change they are constantly sort of rotating out so there's not a whole lot of the students that I get to know there are a few permanent residents here um yeah and I mostly I see them walking around or hanging out at sunset um so yeah I would love to have sort of more of a relationship with them. But again, I think they're sort of in and out pretty quickly. It's probably, as long as they're not, you know, damaging the flowers, it's probably just fine for you not to have to yeah. <laughs> educate the, the residential population. Right, right. Unless they want to buy flowers from you. Right. It's definitely an, interest, an interesting sort of situation and mix having it be on a residential building. And we have one elevator, which... I mean, just essentially means we are often waiting um, mm. when we're bringing stuff up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, to go to that basement area that you use? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is that where your, your cooler is then? It is. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I mean, it's a great part. Like, I wouldn't have been able to foresee how to do this without having that studio and um, cooler down there. So yeah. that's wonderful. Wow. Yeah. Well, before I let you go, I want to show some of your designs from your website. And I would love to hear, um, let's see, there is a portfolio tab on your website. Is that a good place to go? Yeah. Sure. Fun. And um, yeah. I want to show people um, some of your work, but also have you talk a little bit about your design aesthetic and how, how you've developed um, what you're doing. Um, you have some, um, you have some examples here. 
So these are specific events that you've done. Um, looks like they're mostly weddings, right? Mm-hmm. So this is um, an out. Uh, looks like a beautiful wedding. Was this a full service? Looks like uh, you did. It was. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, and do you try to only design with what you grow? We do. Um, I've been finding that it's, it's like figuring out how to explain to our couples like what we do and that we like to as much as we can use what we're growing. Um, and most of the time, especially in the summer, we have so much to choose from that that's not a problem. Um, occasionally we'll get couples that have very specific color schemes where, mm. but we try to let them know, you know, we're hoping to really buy in from only from other local farms, sure. which in California is, you know, especially in the summer is not a hard thing to do. And I, I thought you were going to say, and um, it's from all your friends. <laughs> it is from all my friends. I mean, mostly I buy from front porch when we, um, need flowers. So, uh, yeah. That's wonderful. Well, the, your aesthetic is so carefree and, um, I guess it's, if you had to describe it, well, I would, I would start with seasonality. I mean, that seems to be what you're starting with is choosing what looks best when the event takes place. Right. I think that's really true and sort of a wild natural aesthetic. Mm. Um, and I, you know, and I get to work with some really amazing florists that come on and, and Haya, who's the florist working for me now. And she gets just so excited every time I bring down a new flower. You know, it was like I brought down lace flower the other day and it was the first harvest. She's like, oh my God. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Just sort of the excitement of that seasonality is definitely a big part of, big part of our designing. Love it. That's so beautiful. Well, um, I just think that you're like the perfect, I don't know, triple threat. Like you can grow, you can design, and you know how to sell. And those are the three skill sets you need when uh, you're trying to create a business that sustains you and gives you, you know, a a livelihood. So um, I'm I'm sure there's more you want to do, but it, it feels like yeah. you got you got through the pandemic, and so congratulations. Okay. And, and people needed flowers through the pandemic, so it probably right. you probably found homes for those flowers. It wasn't even though those weddings canceled, you you ramped up in other ways. Right, doing like sort of a farmers market style pop ups here at the farm, which I mean, it was really like so sweet to get to interact with them, come up and see the farm, especially when people weren't doing a whole lot of other stuff. So, yeah. yeah. That's great. Well, other than the workshops, what else do you have on tap for this year? Um, you're, you're already well into it. So maybe, maybe it's just going on that two-day backpacking trip is what your focus is right now. Right. I mean, honestly, in year eight, my biggest thing going into this season, I think, was really how do I take more time off? And um, my goal originally had been to take a couple weeks off this summer. Now I'm like, I don't have a long trip plan, but I'm hoping to do like a week at some point. Really for me, it's just how to, how I'm still kind of searching for that sweet spot of like how to make everything run smoothly and um, just sort of like be in the flow and not, and also not feel like I have to hustle all the time and work all the time. And I, and I'm, I feel like I'm getting there. Um, so 
That's good. Well, I think coming, leaving the the remote farm and coming into the city, it sounds like you just recaptured hours of your week just yeah. by not being in the car. Right. Totally. Mm. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Joanna. This has been great. Um, I I know that uh, there's so much more that we can see in person. So if people are heading to the Bay Area, is it okay if they reach out to you and ask to come? Maybe they would have to volunteer to weed for you if they want to come see your rooftop garden. That's the best way to come visit, but um, we do, um, you know, open our farm up, so. Well, yeah. good. I'm going I'm going to invite myself the next time I'm in the Bay Area please, and please um, do. And then when we um when we share the podcast uh next week which will air on uh July 13th, I'll I'd love to get some photos of some of the things that are on your website and uh share uh both the photos and the pod, uh, and the video for people who want to, you know, get get a little bit of eye candy and be inspired by what you're growing. That'd be great. Yeah, I'll try to Maybe I can see you over a little video. That, that'd be great. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. And yeah, um, have, a great ca- have a great back ca- backpacking trip. And we'll, um, we'll just uh, keep following along uh, on all your social media places as well. So cool. uh, enjoy the rest of your summer. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having okay. me. Bye-bye. Bye. fun conversation. It's so impressive to learn how this beautiful and sustainably focused micro farm is cranking out gorgeous blooms on only a quarter acre of growing area. And it's inspiring to witness Joanna's focus on community and on sharing Bloom a Flower Farm with others. She writes, for me, farming is a way of life, a reconnection to the cycles of life. I always wanted to work with my hands, be outside and be of service to people and the planet. I believe enjoying fresh fruits, vegetables and flowers is a basic human right. And I hope that my farm can encourage others to grow plants and flowers too. You'll want to check out uh, all of our photos of Bluma Farm, as well as the video replay of my interview with Joanna at slowflowerspodcast.com for episode 566. There you'll also find links to Bluma's social places so you can follow along Joanna's story. Our next thank you goes to Red Twig Farms. Based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips and branches and a popular peony bouquet by mail program as well as their spread the hope campaign where customers purchase 10 tulip stems for essential workers and others in their community learn more at redtwigfarms.com and thank you to the seattle wholesale growers market a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the pacific northwest has to offer in cut flowers foliage and plants The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. 
Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor downloaded more than 866,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show and our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowersociety.com and consider making a donation to sustain Slow Flowers' ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at slowflowerspodcast.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the table, one stem, one base at a time. I'll see you then. Bye.